Al Jazeera podcast. Journalists detained in police raids in India. The BJP government says it wants to counter Chinese influence, but media rights groups say it's further state repression. So how free is India's media? And what pressures do journalists face there? I'm Emily Angwin, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests now. In Mumbai is Rana Ayub, global opinions writer for the Washington Post and author of the Gujarat Files, Anatomy of a Cover-Up. In New Delhi is Shoaib Danyal, political editor of the Scroll News in India. And in Frankfurt is Bay Lee Yi, Asia Program Coordinator for the Committee to Protect Journalists. A warm welcome to you all and thanks for joining us on the program. Rana, I'm going to start with you and it's a simple question. Is press freedom in crisis in the world's largest democracy? Uh, well, Emily, to begin with, your introduction spoke about the World Press Freedom Index rating that India has now slipped on the 161st position of the World Press Freedom Index, and that speaks volumes. Um, and the fact that um, at this point of time, journalists are the new enemies of the state, the fact that sedition, uh, UAPA, Unlawful Activities Prevention Act is being used against journalists just shows how free journalists are in this uh, part of the world, uh, the world's largest democracy. Um, uh, the thing is, what happened to NewsClick yesterday has become a norm um, uh, in at this point of time. Every time a publication, especially independent publication, somebody who's critical of the government uh, reports, publishes something uh, which goes against the stated line of the government, we see this kind of reprisals against the journalist, whether it is an income tax notice, money laundering. Um, earlier, it used to be just defamation, but now we have terror laws being invoked against journalists. Uh, so, yes, we are not as free as we would like to be. In fact, this is probably one of the worst times to be a journalist, uh, an independent journalist uh, critical of the Modi government in India right now. Rana, I want to pick up on what you said in terms of the laws that they were arrested or detained under. Shoaib, these journalists were arrested under what's known as the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act. What is that and why is it so dangerous for press freedom? So the Unlawful Activities Preventive Act, Prevention Act is actually an anti-terror law and uh, using that justification is extremely draconian. One of its most draconian, actually, measures or features is that bail is nearly impossible under the law. So you're basically jailed without trial. So the court is actually forced to accept the version of the prosecution whilst jailing an accused. So which is why it is being wide, widely used, widely employed by the Modi government to silence critics. So whether it be civil rights activists, and yesterday we saw it be used against two extremely uh, you know, experienced journalists. One of the journalists picked up today was also uh, you know, in a very dark, uh, ironic moment, also picked up in the emergency in 1975, and he has been picked up today under an anti-terror law. So this is, this is it's such a draconian law that it's impossible to get jailed, so it allows the government to actually imprison people for years, years on end, without trial. And this is why it's such a favorite for the government to use against dissidents and anybody who's reporting or any activist who's, you know, organizing and mobilizing mm -hmm. against the government. Mm -hmm. 
Lee, this isn't anything new, though, is it? The Indian government has been cracking down on journalists critical of Prime Minister Narendra Modi for some time now. What has your organisation been documenting? Indeed, this is not the first time. Um, as um, we heard just now, you know, earlier this year we have seen similar rates. Indeed, um, um, the Office of News Click and the home of some of the journalists were also raided two years ago. So since um, Modi came into power um, in 2014, uh, at CPJ we have uh, documented uh, states, a growing uh, number of cases of uh, journalists being harassed jail and also Seville because of their critical reporting of the government and the BJP party. Um, but what is most concerning to us at CPJ um, um, from yesterday's uh, actions taken against NewsClick is the use of the UAPA yet again to arrest the NewsClick editor and one of the staff. Uh, this is the latest example of the weaponizations of security law against journalists for their work. Rana, you're a journalist working in India. From a personal perspective, can you describe to us what it's like to be a journalist day to day in your country? Well, Emily, I can still say I'm a very, I'm in a very privileged position uh, to the extent that I have access to a great uh, uh, set of lawyers. Uh, I have access to uh, international platforms that show solidarity with me. Uh, but yes, it is a difficult job at this point of time because I spend more time with my lawyers than I could, uh, if I, I, as much as I wanted to, uh, doing my ground reports. Having said that, I think, Emily, it's very important to point out that uh, there are journalists in the country who are still behind bars under UAPA, especially journalists in Kashmir. Um, for five of them who are still behind bars uh, under various terror laws, not just UAPA, but also the National Security Act and the Public Safety Act. And some of them have been behind bars for more than two years without bail. Uh, journalist Siddiq Kappan was arrested for more than two years, was behind bars for more than two years for a, because he was on his way to report the gang rape of a lower caste girl. So that's the state of affairs of journalism in India. And, and what I'm really concerned about as somebody who has been in this profession for almost more than 15 years now, is the chilling effect this, this will have on a young generation of journalists, independent journalists specifically, who want to join the profession, who are already in the profession. When they see this kind of you know, vindictive um, attitude of the government to critical work, will that dissuade them? Will their families dissuade them from doing the journalism? Because nobody wants... Uh, nobody wants cops at their doorstep first thing in the morning. Nobody wants a brown on envelope landing up, mm. uh, enforcement directorate, um, uh, money laundering charges against you or members of your family. It's not a pleasant sight to have cops at your doorstep. Uh, so I think it has had a chilling effect. It will have a chilling effect on an entire generation of journalists. Uh, for the world's largest democracy, we were a cornerstone of what were liberal ideas and values. The kind of questions which are being asked to uh, what I heard from the media reports, but to news click journalists, is about their coverage of the various protests in India, you know, the farmers' protest or, or the citizenship protest. So basically, the government is trying to establish a link that anybody who is dissenting or is critical of the government is, is a propagandist who's working at the behest of international forces, uh, whether it is uh, whether it is Chinese yeah. funding or Soros. This is the new this is the new pattern and um, which is jumping.
I wanted to jump in there because I wanted to pick up on what you just said there. Uh, Shoab, do you think that part of the issue is that any critique of the government is seen as anti-national or unpatriotic? Is that part of the issue here? It's certainly part of the issue. And you know what Rana mentioned, uh, the media the media is a big part of politics in India. So the Modi government has made it one of its main priorities to control the media. Part of it is done using the carrot. Uh, so there are large media houses which do not report critically on the Modi government at all. Uh, but for the others, you know, for the small media houses, such as NewsClick, who do report critically, who do report from the ground on the situation on the ground, uh, as Rana mentioned, you know, there have been a number of protests which have been a bee in the bonnet for the Modi government. So it's small portals that have reported critically, that have bought voices from the ground, uh, that have disseminated these views. And so for them, there's a stick, and which is a very large stick, which is the anti-terror law, which is just absolutely just mind-blowing mm. that a journalist who's been working for the past decades reporting on the ground will be now called a terrorist in India. As you mentioned, there is an abundance of media outlets. Lee, if I can direct this question to you, is that abundance in India able to conceal the concentration of ownership? And what impact does that concentration of ownership have on press freedoms? Well, India is one of the world's largest uh, news industry. And um, what we are seeing right now, um, apart from the issues of concentration of media ownership as well. But what we are seeing is really uh, the criminalizations of journalism in India, which is very alarming to us, especially through tactics like using financial charges to target media outlets or individual journalists. Um, this is a growing tactic that we commonly see in other authoritarian regimes, but increasingly is also being used in India. And, um, and India is a country where freedom of the speech is guaranteed under the constitution. So um, this is not the first time we are saying um, that similar tactics being used in India to criminalize journalism. Um, um, Rana and um, mentions about the uh, farmer protests and also the, uh, the Delhi protests as well. These are issues that affect the, uh, uh, people in India. And this is, you know, they are just reporting about what's going on in the ground. And that's really concerning. Rana, just staying on the concentration of media ownership for just a moment before we broaden it out, um, the concentration of media ownership in the country's leading language is Hindi, but would you agree that it's even more marked at a regional level for local language publications? Well, Emily, there are two sides to it. So there are these big-headed uh, legacy media houses in India, big names, big publications, um, you know, who, who are dependent on the government and big business houses for the ads and revenues. Uh, the other thing is they don't want to lose access to the government. So I think uh, the, uh, some of the biggest media houses in India, whether it's Hindi or English, are now owned by big business houses who do not want to take cudgels with the government. Um, on the other hand, we have independent news outlets who, like, like Shoaib, Shoaib works with Scroll, um, she's the editor of Scroll. Uh, there are independent outlets like Scroll, Article 14, and there are other publications in Hindi like Mook Nayak or Maktoub. Uh, there, isn't, there isn't that kind of funding that these organizations uh, should have. And, and when, I mean, they, they, they don't have the kind of reach. Um, so the reach of these mainstream legacy media outlets, uh, which is basically most of them are churning out the language that is, is stated by the government. So at this point of time, we had we used to have NDTV. For instance, let's take the example of NDTV. 
uh, one of the independent, uh, so to say, independent media houses who have been critical of the government and the hostile takeover of the NDTV group by the Adani, uh, by by the Adani group. Uh, similarly, with with other um, with other English news channels, and Hindi news channels, and Hindi news publications, a big part of the censorship emanates from the ownership of these publications, who owns them, and their relationship with those in power. So I think that is a big problem in uh, that affects and nobody um, at the end of the day nobody wants an enforcement directorate notice at their doorstep. One is that, and second, nobody wants to lose access mm. uh, to those in power. Shoab, I noticed you nodding there. Do you think journalists who work for a particular medium, say print versus television or radio, do you think one of those mediums and the journalists that work for them are more vulnerable than the others? Yes, but it's complex. So TV, I think, is the most vulnerable, but that's because TV has the biggest reach. So it's where the government is most invested in it because it knows it has the biggest political impact. So if you're a TV journalist, there's a lot of pressure on you uh, to conform to a certain political line. Uh, so th it does play out along those lines to some extent just because TV has a bigger reach. You know, to come coming back to your old, earlier question around how it plays around national and regional levels, in a sort of ironic way, I think the regional media in India is actually somewhat freer than the national media, the big media houses, just because of what Rana pointed out, the fact that the corporate control there is more amorphous, it's more mixed. But when it comes to the national media, which the Modi government is very, very invested in controlling. There is a lot of corporate uh, top-down control, and uh, especially in languages such as Hindi and actually even English, uh, where uh, it's, it's actually very difficult to now to run an independent English or Hindi news channel which reports critically on the government uh, just because of all the carrots and sticks that will be thrown at you mm. if you do so. Lee, would you agree with that sentiment that it's that it's television journalists, or do you think that all journalists, no matter what the communication method, are under threat? I think uh, we have seen uh, a number of cases uh, affected, um, you know, journalists, uh, not just Indian journalists, but also uh, foreign media as well, because um, increasingly we are also getting reports about foreign correspondents um, having um, facing a lot of restrictions in terms of their travel, um, facing a lot of visa uncertainties. But I, I think, um, you know, um, overall, um, of course, uh, journalists um, in India, um, Indian journalists are still facing the biggest threat, uh, especially maybe those um, in the region, working for the regional media. Rana, police said that 37 men and nine women have been questioned in these recent raids. I know you've been quite vocal about online violence against female journalists. How does gender play a role, if any, in this particular issue? Well, Emily, I hate to bring myself in this equation, but as a woman and as a Muslim woman critical of the government, the hate is more gendered and bigoted um, uh, against me. I mean, I just posted a picture of, uh, you know, somebody from, uh, you know, all these right-wing trolls, what they do is they pick up your image from from the internet and say, oh, she's a modern dressed woman who advocates for hijab in India. And and often uh, online trolling against women, I think, uh, is, is, is a little more uh, horrific than it comes to male counterparts, you know, when they are sexualized, uh, when the Twitter trends are more to do with their sexuality, with their gender, where, uh, where your image is often mobbed with... Uh, uh, to create a narrative about you, to discredit your work. There's an online narrative that also, you know, 
there's one thing for the government to target and the mainstream media to target and you know use a government narrative but the other important player in this is the social media narrative that is being used to tarnish the reputation of journalists who are critical of the government i mean you know whether it is news click or whether it is the bbc or whether it is the independent journalists or foreign journalists you know there are being you have twitter trends against them every time a journalist does something which is critical of the government you will see twitter trends by bots and often times not everybody has the bandwidth to go through this not everybody has the mental bandwidth to handle mm. something like this so it does shut a lot of people down i know women journalists uh in india who have gone quiet because of the gendered harassment against them not everybody has the bandwidth to to fight the internet trolls and the entire media social media machinery that goes all out against them so there's also this battle of narrative when when journalists are not battling the agencies they're also battling this mainstream media and the social media narrative that is churned out against them and there's that, that is a very very effective medium you know you have whatsapp forwards for instance right so you there are fact checking websites who will fact check the news but fact checking websites are very a very niche concept mm. by the time a journalist is discredited that information has gone viral in the country through whatsapp forwards so that journalist is made an enemy of the state so whether the prosecuting agency can prosecute or produce the evidence against the journalist is for a later stage but before that you discredit the journalist and their work which is critical of the government and that is something this government has done effectively and that brings me to my next question shoaib how can journalists fight back i think journalists can fight back using the only two journalists know which is to report and i think uh, yesterday was a tough day for all indian journalists and uh, it i think left our community shaking the fact that it's so easy to imprison uh, senior member senior colleagues such as people at news click but i think uh, all we can do uh, is just put our heads down and report and do our job and uh, hope that uh, the country will turn around for the better Uh, and we can play a small part in that. Lee, what do you think the future holds for journalism in India specifically? I very much agree that um, you know the best way for us to um, the future for um, journalism is to continue reporting. Uh, as Soha said just now, that you know this is what we do best, and I truly believe that uh, facts will win one day. Um, and also, I think. Um, India once had this very strong traditions of a free press uh, it must return to this if it really wants to live up to the reputations of being the world largest democracy which goes well beyond the ability to hold elections uh, it's up to the indian government to decide what it wants to be it can be the mother of democracy or it can be the graveyard of democracy mm. Rana the United States has called for respect for the media but has declined to weigh in on reports of news clicks relationship with China do you want Washington to step up what do you want from the international community more broadly I think what I expect is for the journalism organizations internationally uh, uh, and not as much governments but more journalism organizations to kind of uh, speak in solidarity with journalists everywhere because you know if the profession is under attack I don't think governments because governments have uh, uh, can weigh in on something like this I think it's 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 journalism organizations or journalism publications that need to speak up for their colleagues everywhere in the world 
uh, just like you know, journalists spoke in solidarity when 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 Jamal Khashoggi was murdered. Uh, you know, we need that kind of solidarity from journalists globally about mm -hmm. what is happening because you know, uh, as as Shoyab said yesterday was uh, yesterday was a very depressing day for journalists. And like I again, I'm, I want to say that I I wonder if this is going to dissuade young journalists in India, right? How do we create a safer space for them? How do we make sure that? they do not fear uh, imprisonment for even tweeting something against the government. So I think uh, international journalism bodies and international media uh, should stay, uh, you know, should should have the back of their uh, of their journalists who are working in India mm -hmm. and independent journalists in India who are working at great risk to their life. They, they don't have legal access. I think um, journalism bodies should do more to protect these independent journalists who are working at great risk to their lives. Shoab, how has the Indian public reacted? What have you heard anecdotally or when you've gone out on the streets in New Delhi? Well, how have people reacted to these raids and these arrests? So those reactions will come in, but one thing that I want to sort of put forward is the distortion of media in India has had a real impact on the Indian public. Uh, and it has a very it has a has a very bad impact, a very poor impact in that people have lost trust in the media. So people right now, they, they don't trust a lot of what the Indian media is putting out because they realize that, uh, you know, the large parts of the media are acting as mouthpieces of the government. So this is something that you will hear often. In fact, sometimes you will even hear it from people who support the BJP, right? So there are well-meaning people who would support the BJP maybe. So they would also not believe uh, what uh, pro-government channels are sort of putting out. And, you know, uh, we might sort of get lost in the political tussle. But honestly, this is very bad for any democracy. You can't have a democracy. You simply cannot have a democracy in which the media is not believed. I mean, it's, 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 an, it's a mythical animal. And I hope that uh, the political conditions can pull us back from that precipice so that we don't tip over. And, and Rana, the next Indian general election is expected to be held uh, in a few months' time, about six months' time, potentially between April and May of 2024. Are you expecting a further crackdown by the Indian government in the coming months? Well, I don't want to sound like a cynic, but the way things are looking right now, I expect further crackdown and not just journalists, but civil rights activists, dissenters, uh, uh, members of the opposition. Uh, I think it is going to be a very, very tough time ahead, ahead of the general elections, because what we are witnessing now, just six months into the general election, has given, given us a preview on what lies ahead, and that is what is extremely distressing. Well, I think the state of journalism is in strong hands with the three of you. We appreciate your time on this edition of The Inside Story. Thank you so much. Thanks to all of our guests, uh, Rana, Ayub, Shoaib, Danyal and Bailey Yi. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Umi Kulsum Sharif, Fungi Nguyen and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Dragon Rankovic. The program was edited by Joseph George, Zaina Beta, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Thursday for our next edition. Next time on The Take, another foreign intervention has been announced for Haiti, but can it be the last? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.